let's get into it tonight. Who has heard of this classic game? And I mean it's a classic game. It's a classic game of, of passion, of skill, of strategy. The game of Jenga. Jenga. Hey, it's a great game and I'm rubbish at it. Who is good at Jenga? Put your hands up. A few of us, I challenge you. If you're a boy, we're going to get it out at men's brekkie. So I challenge you to a game. You will win in two moves. Awesome. Hey, I've got a video clip of some Jenga for us. Um, this is a pretty beast video clip. And so let's check it out. Let's get heaps of encouragement for this guy because he does the craziest thing I've ever seen. Media team, can we play that one? Whoa. Look at that. And he completes it. Who is that good at Jenga? Faster Sue. I challenge you to do that move. <laughs> hey, I love Jenga. Jenga is a great representation of our life. See, if we look at our life like the Tower of Blocks, there's so many blocks and they're always moving and shifting and changing place. And it's a little bit like our life. There's so many moving parts that are always shifting and moving and changing place. And uh, sometimes the Tower of Jenga can be really strong and secure. And it can, it can be strong and secure. You move those blocks, nothing happens. But then sometimes when you move the blocks around, it gets really unstable. It gets a little unsecure. It starts wobbling around. And our lives can be a little bit like this. Hey, see, I had this happen to my own life recently. About a year ago, a year and three weeks, my son Fletcher, who has disappeared, he's somewhere. There he is, down the back. One year ago and three weeks, he was born, the 1st of January 2019. And my life began to move and shift and change a little bit. Right off the bat, uh, this happened. He came really suddenly, a little bit by surprise, and then he got really sick for about two weeks. There was moments that they weren't sure he was going to go too far in life. And then the next few months on top of that, there were some health challenges for myself and for my family. Uh, and during this time, I felt I had to be the rock. I had to be the strong, the secure Jenga tower that was solid. And so I became that the only way I knew how. And that was kind of just to lock all my emotions in a box and put them in the back of my mind, which that is not a piece of advice. That is not good. So but months later, months passed by, Fletcher is growing up healthy and strong. There is no reoccurrence of anything. He is excited and running and just making a ton of fun. And the health issues in my family seem to be passing. We're getting on top of things. Life seems to be looking good. It's looking strong. It's looking secure. I'm really happy with how things are going. And it was in this time that the Jenga tower actually of my life started to sway. It started to get a little unstable. Those cracks started appearing in the rocks. I was losing my ability to be patient uh, in situations that didn't need to me to be losing my ability. I was getting frustrated. I was being short with people. I lost motivation and drive for things that I've been passionate about for years. And if I'm honest, I became fearful of the responsibility that God had given me then and for the future. My life was like the Jenga tower that looked stable, but it really wasn't. It was wobbling all over the place. I just felt like I didn't have it together. Can anyone relate to that? The feeling of thinking it's all together and when you really look at it, it's not. We look at our lives and we go, actually, I don't have it together. Can anyone relate to that feeling? Hey, maybe you're, um, you're cooking a new recipe. Let's go Italian. You're cooking a new Italian pasta sauce and you're putting the herbs and spices in as per the recipe and you get to the pepper. And you're tipping it in. You only want a little bit of pepper because too much is not good. And then the lid falls off and the whole container falls in. Who's done that before? Hey, maybe you were studying for a university or a school assignment that you knew was due in, say, two weeks. 
and you're feeling relaxed, no pressure, you're working on it, you've got this. And you turn up to class that day, it's actually due right then and there. Maybe you've got a lot going on in life. Maybe there's a lot of plates spinning, a lot of blocks moving about, but you know, you're going pretty well. You're feeling strong, you're feeling secure, but something comes out of the blue and blindsides you. And suddenly things aren't as secure, they're not as strong as you might first seem. Isn't it funny that in these situations, that one minute everything's great and the next minute it's not, we see it in black and white. We see ourselves on one hand as having it all together, we've got it figured out, it's easy, life's cruising, it's good. And on the other hand, it's not together at all. It's a mess, it's unstable, it's falling apart. We see ourselves and we go, what's going on here? Isn't it funny how we see it in black and white? See, it's this concept of togetherness that I want to talk to us about tonight. The concept of having it all together, togetherness is what I'm going to call it. What even is that though? Can anyone tell me what togetherness is? What defines it? Can we define togetherness? And if we can define it, who's got it? Who has got togetherness? And that leads me to this question. If someone's got togetherness, how can I get it? How can we get togetherness? And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. How to get it together and what even is that anyway? I can't be the only one who's wondered this. Looked at my life and thought, how am I going to get it all together? It's just a mess. It just doesn't make any sense. And in that season of my life, this was a daily, a burning question for me. How am I going to get my life back together? And so I looked in the first place that many of us go when we need life-fulfilling information, a place that's got something for everyone. It's got information that can be used daily and in your future. It's called Google. Who's been there first? Well, I went to Google first and I Googled togetherness and nothing came up because I don't think it's a real word. But the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it's one of the first things that comes up. It did have a phrase. It had the phrase, get it together. I think I've got that definition there. Here we go. To begin to live in a good and sensible way, to stop being confused, foolish, to begin to function in a skillful and effective way. And so I read this definition and I began to apply that definition to my life. And I actually realized that there were parts of my life that were way more together than I thought. And if I was truly honest, there were parts of my life that were absolutely not together at all. They were unclear. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to move forward. And that's how I was defining my life. I was looking at what I didn't have together and applying that to the rest of my life. And if we were to each look at ourselves tonight, I'm willing to say that I'm not the only person who's done that. I'm willing to say that we would all do something similar, that we would find areas of our lives that are absolutely together. They're working. They're clear. We know exactly what's going on. But if we were honest with ourselves, there were areas that were not so clear, that areas that are absolutely not together at all. And when it comes to this concept of togetherness, when it comes to wondering if we've got it together, more often than not, we measure our togetherness by what we don't have together than what we do have together. And that shouldn't be the case. If that's how we're defining our lives by what we don't have together, looking at our faults and applying that as a blanket statement for our life, is that any way to live? Is that going to be a positive, healthy way to take ourselves into our futures? No way. And so we've got to look for our definition of togetherness somewhere else, the place we really should go first for definitions. And that's to what God says. What is God's definition of togetherness? What's his view on it? 
We're going to look at a story in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 19. It's the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And I look at him and he, he looks like he's got it all together. But I believe he found himself in the same shoes as some of us have found ourselves in, in the same shoes I found myself in, looking at my life, thinking it's together, yet finding that it's not. And I'm asking myself the question, how am I going to get it all together? And what even is that anyway? So Luke 19, 1 to 10, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, and other versions say short of stature, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore fig tree, which is this giant big tree that they look crazy. Google them um, to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Verse five. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So, when I read this story, some questions come to mind. First thing, who is Zacchaeus? Why is Zacchaeus important? Why is he the main character in this particular story? I'm sure when Jesus went to Jericho, he met a lot of people. Why Zacchaeus? Well, the story tells us he is a chief, well, he's a tax collector, but not just any, he's the chief. He's the big boss. He is the big man in town. And this is kind of important because Jericho had a really lucrative export business. Lots of business means lots of taxes for tax collectors to collect. And back in the day, tax collectors used to collect the tax And then they would collect a little bit of self-tax. They were just a little bit extra for themselves off all these businesses. And if he's the boss, I'm willing to bet he is way more loaded than any other tax collector and way, way more loaded than the average person in Jericho. Not to mention the huge influence he would have had being the chief. So he has money to buy anything. He's got influence across the city. Life looks pretty good to me. We look at Zacchaeus and we see that life looks like it's all together for him. So my second question from there is what made him go to Jesus? Why did he think he needed to go and see who Jesus was? If he really had it all together, why did he feel that need? I think it's really interesting the language that Dr. Luke, the guy who writes the book, Luke, he uses specific language to describe Zacchaeus. He says he was short in stature. And I don't know if I've got notes to go with that, but that's okay. Um, He very well could have been a shorter guy like myself. He couldn't see over the crowd after all. He did have to climb a tree. But the words used for short of stature is the Greek word mikros, which means little, and the Greek word, uh, I think it's halikia, I think is how you pronounce it. I spent like 10 minutes trying to get that right. I'm going to go halikia. It means of stature, but can also mean influence. So you could almost say Dr. Luke is writing that uh, Zacchaeus is a short guy, but he's not just short, he's a guy of little influence. So maybe Zacchaeus didn't have that many people in his life after all. Maybe the, the money, the prestigious job title, the perceived influence and popularity didn't actually bring his life together. Maybe he didn't have it all together. What if Zacchaeus looked at his own life and saw this and he began to ask himself, how do I get it together? What even is that? 
Maybe you're here tonight and you're on a similar journey to Zacchaeus. Maybe you're looking to find out how to get it all together. Maybe you've heard of Jesus, but you wouldn't say you've met him. Or maybe you've never even heard of him. Maybe you're in need of healing in an area of your life. Maybe you're in need of a changed life. Maybe you uh, have found yourself spinning your wheels, looking for what's next, and you found yourself asking that question, how do I get it together? And what even is that anyway? See, what if when Zacchaeus found himself in this position, he realized that he actually needed a bit of help getting it together? What if he realized he needed a different definition of what togetherness was? What if in that moment he realized he had to go and see who Jesus was? And that's when we find him up the tree. And that leads me to this. What did Jesus even see in him? I mean, there's a dude up a tree, sure. But what, did, what made Jesus stop and go, actually, no, I need to have dinner with this guy in particular. There is a crowd of people, and a crowd could have been thousands of people. And he picks the dude in the tree. Verse 8 and 9, I think, holds the key. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. Remember, he is absolutely loaded. That's a lot of money. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. I don't think Jesus said that because Zacchaeus decided to, on a whim, give an incredible amount of money to the poor. I think it's more than that. Jesus saw his heart. See, the people only saw Zacchaeus as the chief tax collector who looked like it all together, he had it all together. But Jesus saw past that exterior and he saw Zacchaeus' heart. And that is the key in this story, that Zacchaeus had an open heart that was willing to change. It was, went from a heart of untogetherness to a heart that was willing to take one step at a time towards the life Jesus had for him. And in that moment, Jesus brought salvation to Zacchaeus and his house. See, what if we find ourselves in Zacchaeus' shoes, looking at our lives and asking ourselves, how do I get it all together? And what even is that anyway? We need to ask ourselves one question before anything else. Am I willing to open my heart and bring Jesus into the equation? Am I willing to open my heart and bring Jesus in? See, when we open our hearts, when we ask Jesus into the equation, What I'm about to say next, this is what happens. Verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, in other words, I'm going to explain on this. Jesus is saying he came to meet people who were on a journey. And the word save in the Greek is the Greek word sozo, which means to save, funnily enough, but it also means to make whole. Jesus came to meet people on a journey to save them and to make them whole. I think this is really important. What if Jesus came not just to save people, but to save them from the things that make them feel lost, the things that make them feel unwhole or untogether, if I could put it that way. Things like fear and loneliness, anxiety, depression, negative self-talk, pain, suffering, anger, frustration, offense, hurts we hold. What about habits we know that aren't bad for us, but we do them anyway? What if Jesus came to save us from those things that make us feel lost? What if Jesus came to not just find us and save us, but to make us whole again? This changes things. See, this this would mean Jesus is the key to togetherness. If we want togetherness, we need to look to Jesus. It's not about being perfect because Zacchaeus really wasn't. This is only one aspect of his life that we see changed. But he had a willing heart, a heart that was willing to take positive steps towards the wholeness that Jesus had for him. That's the key. What if that is what togetherness is all about? 
What if our togetherness was about receiving the wholeness that Jesus had for each and every one of us every day? Maybe the question is not, do I have it all together? Maybe the question is, do I have wholeness in Jesus? See, Jesus wants to bring wholeness to your fear by transforming it into self-confidence. He wants to bring wholeness to your loneliness by surrounding you with the right loving people. He wants to bring wholeness to your anger and frustration and pain and suffering by bringing peace and freedom and patience to those situations. He wants to bring wholeness to your heart by releasing you from offense and hurt. He wants to bring wholeness to your life by breaking the chains of habits you can't seem to kick. That's the wholeness that Jesus wants to bring each and every one of us. That is the true definition of togetherness. That's what togetherness is. It's wholeness in Jesus. And see, in my season, when I came to this realisation, when I came to the realisation that in my untogetherness, that trying to wing it in my own strength wasn't the answer, Googling it wasn't the answer. It gave me an answer, not the answer. I had to stop trying to figure it all out in my own strength. I actually had to stop and open my heart back up to Jesus to bring him into the equation. I had to become willing to admit that I needed to change some things about my life. I had to start taking positive steps in the direction towards the wholeness that Jesus had for me, the togetherness that Jesus had for me. Now today, do I have it 110% completely together? Now in the traditional sense, no, absolutely not. But I don't think any one of us do either. But I know I'm continuing to take positive steps in the direction towards the wholeness that Jesus has for my life each and every day. And man, do I know now I have it together in Jesus. I absolutely have it together. And see, this is something that we can all have, every single one of us, no matter you, whether you would say your life is together or whether it's not. This is something for every single one of us. And there's just one thing we need to do, and that's to stop and open our hearts up to Jesus, to bring him back into the equation, to begin taking positive steps into the wholeness that he has for your life. That's togetherness. So what is togetherness? It's wholeness in Jesus Christ. And we've just got to move towards him. He's got it for us. So I've got a few questions for us as we finish, because I know God doesn't just want to speak to us tonight. He actually wants to speak to us tomorrow and the next day and so on. So if you're taking notes, write these questions down. And if you're not, Write these questions down. So question one, do you have it all together? That is a rhetorical question because I don't believe anyone really has it all together. So that leads us to number two. What's causing you to feel lost or unwhole or untogether? Maybe it's a feeling, a feeling of anxiety or loneliness. Maybe it's a feeling of uh, you don't have self-worth. Maybe it's a habit that's causing you to get into some bad situations with the wrong people? What's causing you to feel unwhole or untogether? What changes? What positive steps? Oh, wait, we are skipping a step. The most important one. What Have you invited Jesus into the equation? That's the most important one. If you haven't, do it. Number four, what changes? What positive steps do you need to take to be walking in the direction of the wholeness that Jesus has for you? That's a very personal question. It's a question you must answer though. Number five, or before we get there, that might even be just allowing Jesus to bring peace into your heart. That might be re-engaging Jesus through prayer to bring the healing you're seeking. That might be bringing healthy habits in to replace the unhealthy ones or getting around the right people in a life group. And the last question, I want you, this is more of an imagine, imagination, a vision. If you can do one to four, 
what could your life look like if you lived in the wholeness, the togetherness that Jesus had for you? Where could your life take you? Where could Jesus take you? What opportunities could you take? What friendships would you strengthen? What challenges could you tackle in the wholeness that Jesus has for you? So I want to encourage you, spend some time this week meditating, praying on these questions, thinking about them, applying them to your life. Let Jesus reveal your heart to you so you can experience the true wholeness that He has for each and every one of us. So, how to get it all together? What even is that anyway? As you leave here tonight, just be imagining. Imagining your life with togetherness. Your life with wholeness. The true togetherness that Jesus wants to bring you. Imagine the possibilities of a future where you're not bound to a false definition of having it all together and feeling like you need to be perfect to chase your dreams because you've just got to be experiencing the wholeness that Jesus has for you. He will take you there. Imagine the possibilities, the life that you can live, the life that Jesus truly has for you when you experience His wholeness, when you live in wholeness with Him. So let's stand. We're going to pray as we close tonight. Jesus, we thank You so much. We thank You so much that Your love for us isn't one-dimensional, it's multi-dimensional, there's so many facets to it. And we thank You that that is to bring us wholeness. It's not just to save us, it's not just to find us, but it's to make us whole again in You. We thank You that right now in this place, people are experiencing Your wholeness, that You're making them whole again. Hey, if, if you want to respond to Jesus right now, why don't you just lift up your hand. If He's speaking to your heart, Jesus, we thank You that you're, you're changing people's lives, that You're bringing healing where it needs to be healed. We're, you're bringing change in situations that need Your peace. We're seeing the right people come into people's lives at the right moment. Lord, we're, breaking, we're seeing chains broken in Your wholeness. We thank You for Your presence, Lord. We just speak out that through this week, through this year, that we're not going to experience an unwhole year. We're going to experience a whole year, a full year, in your presence, in our lives, in Jesus' name. Hey, while well, our heads bowed and our eyes are closed, maybe you're here tonight and, and you're on a journey. Maybe you've been walking through life trying to make sense of it all. Maybe you've been trying to get it together and it just doesn't seem to be working out. Jesus came, see, I shared earlier, but Jesus came to meet people on a journey. He came to meet people no matter where they were at on that journey. And He came to make them whole to show them a way forwards. Maybe that's you here tonight. Maybe you haven't met Jesus yet. Maybe you're still walking on that journey. Hey, I want to give you an opportunity. I'll give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus tonight. If you felt something stirring in your heart or maybe something's racing, I know for me, in one of these moments many years ago, my heart was beating through my chest and I was sweating like crazy. That's just me. Maybe Jesus is speaking to you in His own unique way. Maybe you felt that through tonight. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Him See, Jesus came to restore the relationship that was broken between God and mankind. He came so that we could experience wholeness, so that we could experience the plan that He's got for us, so we could experience His love once again. We could walk in relationship with Him. And if that's you here tonight and you know you need to respond to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something really brave while everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you just to stick your hand up. No one's looking around. It's just, I want to acknowledge you and it's, this is your acknowledgement to saying yes to Jesus. And we're going to pray for you tonight. But if that's you and you know you need to respond to Jesus, in the count of three, why don't you raise your hand? One, two, three.
Yeah, I see that hand. That's awesome. It's the best decision you can ever make. I'm not going to prolong it or make it awkward, but if that's you and you know you need Jesus right now, this is your opportunity. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your presence in this place. Thank you that you are meeting people right where they're at. Thank you for these people who are making a decision to say yes to you. Lord, I just declare that you would bring your wholeness into their life, that they would start experiencing it right from this moment, that you would walk with them on that journey, that you would direct them and guide them on their next steps and bring them into the future you've got for them. In Jesus' name, amen. And hey, let's give it up for those people who made that decision tonight. I can guarantee you 110% that is the best decision you will ever make. Jesus has such an incredible future for you. And hey, we've got a prayer up on the screens. This is a prayer we pray every week, but it's a prayer of commitment. If you just made that decision, this is a prayer you can pray to bring Jesus into your life. So let's pray it together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life. I'll follow you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your time tonight. Let's live whole in Jesus.